The scripture today is Psalm 73. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, How can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, These are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain, I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself up, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, When I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I have in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell all your works." God is good. Right. <laughs> let's try again. Let's, let, it was testing. God is good. All the time. We chant this. Maybe summer camp or at the retreat, right? Remember? But it is really true. God is good all the time. Is it true? Are you living a good life now? And how to live a good life? 
And what is good life anyway? What is a good life? Aesop was not in the good life when he wrote Psalm 73. Aesop was in charge of music at the temple, just like Don and Conrad. He wrote many musics for worship in Jerusalem temple. But when he wrote this psalm, he was looking at utter destruction of Jerusalem, even temple, because the Babylonian invaded Israel. They destroyed everything. Imagine if our country is invaded by another nation and enemy, our enemy destroyed everything we built and took everything we had. How can we accept the reality if we think God is on our side? And you've been good to him. Instead of lamentation, Asa begins his psalm with the praise. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. He said, truly, because he knows Israel's reality contradicts with his trust God. People of Israel's trust God contradict with the reality. And it is unfair between the godly and ungodly, right? In the war, everyone being damaged, being killed. The fall of a nation affected everyone. But Asaph insists God is good, excellent to those who are pure in heart. It means, it means just, yes, standing before God as a single-hearted to God, devoted to God. Nothing else, only in their heart is just God. But still, it is paradox. How come God is good? You can say God is good when we are miserable. So Asaph confesses, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. It means he almost lost his faith. Because the reality, the calamities. It is reality of life. Whether being faithful or not, the calamities, trials visits us. It is so challenging for Christians, believers, 
to so many pastors preach we call the prosperity theology like give and take God they preach if we good to God and God will be good to us and those church really growing you see those church mega churches in, on TV they preaching prosperity theology it is absolute lies what it is what it is we can deny the reality the calamities we are experiencing whether we're good to god or not because the sin messed up the principle of creation being kicked out of garden of eden means we're out of this principle of creation Yes, in the Garden of Eden, if we are good to God and God good to us. But when we are out of the Garden, there's no more principle of creation. It all messed up. Many times, somehow, good people suffer more than bad people. Because bad people being wicked, they're being evil. They're just being selfish. They're damaging other people. prideful and violent against other people. Asaph confesses, For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not striking like the rest of the mankind. How unfair is that? It seems there's no justice and righteousness of God in the world. We know our system, man's system, justice, politics, economy, everything is not perfect. Actually, they are failing people. But we have to uphold the aberrant law and comply with it. Right? We have to be obedient to our government and the law. And the wicked are not being punished. But is that it? Is that it? Is God negligent in our misery? Is that it? So we just have hope in the kingdom of God. So we suffer here and just we get there. When we get there in heaven, then everything's fine? No. So Asaph Right, that's good. So Asaph knew the intention of God. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as garment. Pride and violence means despising others. 
It is direct sin against God. We think we're damaging other people. We sin against other people, but not. We are sin against God when we sin against other people because everybody is belong to God. We are God's. So it is serious problem. Remember, Proverbs says, "Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker." If somebody is hungry and we don't feed them, we inserting God. And Jesus even said that whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, to the court. And whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. So the reality is, God give them up those wicked. Up to sin, just being prideful, let them being prideful and violent, which leads them to condemnation. So, like I said, prosperity, people's success, is the worst punishment of God. Because through trial, through the calamity, we return to God, but through success, we turn away from God and turn to the sin. Right? Not everybody does. Right? Not everybody. It can be prosperity can be punishment. So, then what? But what people do between good and evil. Many people choose evil over good. So Asaph says, "Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them, and they say, 'How can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High?' And they eventually, people, being resentful, all in vain." Have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence, but all vain, because I'm in calamity. So today, it's been always that way. Christians, many Christians, choose conformity instead of disparity. Right. Because they're all vain. What we're trying to do, being faithful and being good and listen to God, is all vain. So people just become just like the rest of the world: conformity instead of disparity. Make it distinguish from them, aren't they? Remember, but remember, we are in the world. But not of the world, and we are sent to the world to change the world, not just become part of the world by being different, which means holy, kadosh. So, what is mission? What is mission? 
You just go out there or go to uh, developing countries and, you know, evangelize people, teach them gospel. Is that mission? How do you bring people to Christ? Mission is the infection by attraction of Christians. Mission is attraction. Attract means draw, like a magnetic magnet. You pull. That's attract, attraction. So we make disciple of Jesus Christ with the attraction of Christians. Jesus was attractive. He went to the strangers. He never met, but he went to them and showed them the attractive life of Jesus himself. Disciples followed him. That's why when Jesus feed them 3,000 people, they follow Jesus. But only 11 disciples stayed with him. But right before crucifixion, even that, those 11 disciples deserted him, right? But anyway, Jesus Paul attracted his disciple by his life. And what is the attraction of Christian? It is being Christian, Christ-like, godly person, living in the Holy Spirit. So Apostle Paul said, explain it as the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how we bring people to Christ. Not like an open Bible and you know, door to door and knock on the door. It's our life. Genuine life. Become infection. Become contagious. I told you, mission is not to bring people to church pew. Mission is to bring people to God. Which is bring to your life means bring people to God. Because you and I, we are representing Christ and God here. Not this building. Not just membership or title, but life style. Are you attractive Christians? Are you attracting people? Are those people around you? They think, well, John is real Christian. Because of John, I believe God is real. Do they say that? Church has been declined. Not because the world, the world is bad. The world has been bad. 
had been bad. Always, since the beginning, the world has been bad. Just church has been failed to being its authenticity, genuine faith and action of justice and righteousness of God. First church, are we attractive? And verse 16 and 17 is a turning point of this psalm. Asaph finally praises God. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end, the Babylonians. What is talking about? Where is the sanctuary? Sanctuary has been destroyed by Babylonian army. Where is it? He's looking at the ruins of the sanctuary. And how come he said he went into the sanctuary? Because Jerusalem temple was destroyed so he could get, went into the sanctuary. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense, right? Until our security, our prosperity, our comfort zone been destroyed, we cannot going into the sanctuary encounter God. Sanctuaries is not sanctuary because we meet God. Because God is here. Wherever you are, God is there, so that's a sanctuary. This is not sanctuary. If God is not here, this is not sanctuary. But if God is in your living room, if God is in your office, and that's your sanctuary. Jacob could not encounter God until he became fugitive. In the middle of desert, he said, This is Bethel, house of God. Moses, until he became 80 years old, tending the sheep of a father-in-law in the desert, until he encountered God in the burning bush. Why did you, I mean, when did you enter the sanctuary of God? When did you encounter God in your sanctuary? I can tell you, when you were diagnosed with cancer, when you were waiting for surgery, when you got into an accident, when your loved one injured badly or even killed, you were in the sanctuary. You encountered God right there. Because the world, whatever that disaster, calamity, destroyed your sanctuary, you thought. 
Are we in the sanctuary yet? In the sanctuary, Asa praises, Nevertheless, I'm continually with you and you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory. Asa confesses Yahweh is the God who was and is and is to come. God was there when you were in utter despair. God was there. And God is with you now. And God will be there. I love this word. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Because a Christianity is journey of the nevertheless. We are nevertheless. Right? Nevertheless. No matter what. No matter what. This is such a powerful word for Christian. Nevertheless. Our plan is not going to work all the time. How how working hard, so hard, how you must prepare, no matter what, our plan is not going to work all the time. And we are not perfect. We're broken. That's what we said. We're sinful. We are sick. We are weak. We are poor. We can be poor. It can be worse. But God is with us nevertheless. God is with us. God is holding our hand and walking with us no matter what. Christian faith is not pursue after. God says, yes, DJ, I'm going to just give you all you requested because you've been good to me. No. God might give me cancer next year. Maybe my loved one die. Who knows? And because God is so loving and merciful to me. And remember, Christ has changed everything on the cross. I'm so I'm glad that I'm not standing with the Aesop and looking at the destroy the temple. We are after Jesus. He, Jesus changed everything because Jesus fought our battle and Jesus already won. Amen. Amen. I told you. I was at the Barnstormers game yesterday. They were losing 5-0. And in the eighth inning, they made a seven to five. Amen. You know, young people think, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, first and second inning. They don't know what their life is going to be, uncertainty, so they're fearful. Maybe I'm in my uh, fifth inning, but I'm losing. I know I'm losing. 
Maybe some of you think, I'm in my eighth inning, I'm still losing. But I told you, now Jesus at the end of the ninth inning, he won this game. He finished this game. Right? We are here first and second, third inning, but Jesus is at the end of ninth inning. Amen? Don't worry. Don't worry about your, where you are and where you're going. We won this battle. Amen. God is good. Oh, come on. <laughs> After 30 minutes speeches, you know, you still don't get it. God is good. All the time. Amen. Amen. We need game face. Every day we need game face because we are facing this battle. And remember God is good all the time. Truly God is good to us, friend. If we are pure in heart, if we just single-hearted, devoted to God, we are good. Asa praises, my flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The strength in Hebrew is a beseech. God is beseech you, your heart, and give you his portion. He is portion. You know, people are looking for prosperity, pleasure, and good life, and good time, fun, with success, good health. But God is our strength. Only portion we receive. So we are living good life. If God is our portion, if God is only our portion, then we are living good life, friends. Whether we are sick, whether we are healthy, whether rich or poor, we're successful or not, we're living good life. So let's open our eyes. Realize our temple has been destroyed. Our, our guarantee, our security, our, our, our foundation has been destroyed. So let's open our eyes, see the sanctuary you are going into and encounter God and receive God as your eternal portion. Amen.